So welcome back to another episode of uh, Ask the Expert, Cannabis Podcast Australia. No, you're welcome, James. So uh, in this episode number four, we we do break down um, the legalities and the stigma behind medical cannabis. And it's a really good topic just in where we are today as Australia and how people view cannabis, both from the recreational and medical side. And it was another really good episode. I know uh, kind of beating the horse there i don't know we're not being the beating a dead yeah horse. i don't know if i want to say that i was trying to take where... it back i was trying to take it back but i'd already got it out and we're going to keep it in so we, <laughs> we are talking about what explains the stigma around cannabis in australia how the perception has changed over time and the current laws and regulations with, with a couple uh tricky questions for johnny to look into his future ball is um What's it called? The, his, his crystal ball. His crystal ball and try and determine the future of where's cannabis going to go. So tune in. That does come at the end. Uh, what did he predict? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, not, we're not clickbait. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, James. Time to put your legal hat on. Give us the disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not doctors, but rather we're just trying to educate the general public to be better informed in their well-being decisions. Pop quiz. What are you not? A doctor. I've handsome. You're also not a doctor, <laughs> so you pass. Uh, if you're considering medical cannabis prescription, make sure to speak to a doctor. Beautiful. Another amazing episode, episode two. Diving into episode three is medical cannabis legal. Um, episode four, my dear. Episode four. Four episodes you. in, okay. I'm already losing. Yeah, that. keeping Let's me go. on my toes. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Um, so one thing that we were talking about before was benefits and we're about to talk about pretty much the the stigma and where Australia is. I just wanted to take a step back, leverage some copy that I wrote in 2020 from a presentation that I did to a market research company, um, about medical cannabis. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people see experts like yourself, Johnny, and they listen to the experts and they go, the experts, the expert. Other people need celebrities. So (laughs) (laughs) celebrities are their experts and their idols. So I actually have a list of people in the States, um, and this can be a good segue into uh, where Australia is. But here's a list. I've I've written down in the world we live in, sometimes an expert isn't everyone's expert instead of celebrities. And this is going off what I've written for this market research company. Here's a list of all celebrities affiliated with CBD. Disclaimer, the list is from 2020, so don't hold me to it. Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua, UK boxer, has become the ambassador of the now biggest brand in the UK, Love Hemp. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, massive names as well here. So the list will keep going. Women's USA soccer captain, ambassador of brand Mendy. I remember that. That was with her sister. Nate Diaz, a UFC champion and mixed martial arts expert, uh, front runner for CBD for years. Olivia Newton-John, yeah, crowd favorite here. Yeah, for pain and, inter- um, and to improve her quality of life while undergoing treatments. Whoopi Goldberg has a brand called Whoopi and Mayer for relief of menstrual discomfort. Michael J. Fox uses CBD for treating his Parkinson's disease. Christian Bell for anxiety and depression uh, with CBD skincare brand Happy Dance. So there's a skincare brand as well. Gwyneth Paltrow launched a wellness um, summit outlining the differences between the cannabinoids, THC and CBD, as well as providing her CBD skincare brand Goop products in gift bags we do not endorse scoop on this podcast yeah (laughs) morgan freeman this is how i found out about fibromyalgia back in the day morgan freeman has fibromyalgia and uses uh medicinal cannabis for headaches seizures and chronic pain Uh, and he's been doing it since 2009 
Um, Jennifer Aniston uses CBD for uh, to treat anxiety, pain, and stress, saying has all the benefits of marijuana without the high. Love that quote. Jack Nicholson believing prescription narcotics are more harmful. Mar- Martha Stewart has CBD brand uh to use with foods thanks to signing um uh, signing with snoop dogg <laughs> for uh, in his cannabis brand so they've got a good relationship there and then the big one was the queen bee herself beyonce uh went on a wine and weed tour in the us and discovered the benefits of cbd she now grows her own honey and hemp farm for her and her family right. So that's great. Like it, the list goes on. Eddie Hall, Strongman, Dakota Johnson, Olivia Wilde, Rob Gronkowski, and Steve Kerr. Uh, he uses it for chronic pain. It, everyone, like the people listening, everyone would have heard a name there that they would have gone, oh, that's interesting. Or like that just shows the spectrum of it um, and everyone using it for different uh, reasons. And as we talked about in episode three, the benefits, and that was a long episode. So uh, it's a good segue into... Um, well, the question uh, the, the next is, question. Uh, is medical cannabis legal? So I suppose, you know, if I'm, I don't know much about it, I'm listening to this, I'm like, cool, a bunch of people take cannabis overseas, but is it actually legal? Particularly in the context that pre-2016, the answer was no, and all medical cannabis was just illegally acquired cannabis on the street. Um, Johnny, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we can turn the camera on and, you know, probably be a little bit of a, like just open discussion, but why do you think that there is this stigma around cannabis in Australia, particularly pre-legalization in 2016? Ah, uh, yeah, the stigma, the stigma. <laughs> oh man, it's really, um, it's crazy, you know. Like, uh, it, it, but um, it comes from uh, old perceptions where, when cannabis was legalized, uh, was made illegal. Back in the um, in the seventies, all right. So you had this counter movement culture, which was anti war, freedom, peace loving, um, and and so cannabis uh, was made illegal around the you know in the seventies to sort of put an end to that movement um, and uh, give more um support to the war movement and so the the government and the media did a really good job of um stigmatizing anyone who used cannabis and basically um labeling them as as low lives uh this also happened like many years ago as well um uh with the mexican uh mexicans um in in america they were, you know, uh, it, it was like a derogatory term to call them, you know, cannabis users. And I think that that has just flowed on into the modern day um, in Australia and it's still around, surprisingly, that um, that kind of thing happens. Excuse me while I adjust my camera a bit. I was going to no, say, you are good. glowing, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so the... Yeah, um, so the stigma, yeah, um, because it's illegal. So people think, oh, it's bad. Drugs are bad. The whole war on drugs has said, told you, taught you from a young age that drugs are bad um, and anyone who uses drugs must be dangerous, must be a criminal, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't want to hang out with them. So it's no wonder that there is a a stigma. But... Mm -hmm. We, we know that times are changing. Charlie, you listed off 
uh, an uh, incredible amount of celebrities now who use it, high-profile names. Um, it's also being used by um, performance uh, coaches, especially here in Australia in the AFL. So recently, um, a couple of football co AFL coaches have come out and said that they use CBD. Yeah, Damien, um, we're Richmond-based as well, Johnny. So when I heard Damien Hardwick uh, was doing it for his for his back pain, uh, yeah. Without to me, and then Lauren Jackson to because I did list off a lot of yeah. US, but Lauren Jackson as well. She played in the FIBA World Cup. And this was I posted this on the Cannabate socials. She played in the FIBA World Cup after um, starting her CBD treatment uh, prescribed by her doctor, and then uh, she was just taking it to be able to walk with her family and, and play with her kids after leaving basketball because she was so injured. She ended up joining and and. I think they won bronze or gold. I don't know what they won, maybe <laughs> silver, but um, she played in the World Cup this year or last year, like recently at 40 years of age. And I think she got the MVP for like the tournament. And it was she credits cannabis treatment. And she credits sport. for getting back into uh, yeah. and basketball. And like now she might be retired, but she was like, well, if I can not only play with my kids, but I'm training again, playing basketball, and then I can also like play well because I'm still a gun and I'm even though I'm 40 years old, may as well just get back into it. <laughs> and they showed the video of her saying, um, saying like them saying you're in the team. She just bawled out crying. Like it was actually insane. So that puts an Australian spin on where we are a little bit now uh, yeah. away from the US. But yeah, continue, Johnny. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so you can see that the tide is turning, you know, the perception is turning. Um, there's been studies that show like 80% of Australians now think that, you know, it should be legalized. Um, it's, uh, the, it's backed by science. It's backed by research. Um, and the legalization of medicinal cannabis, I think, has really spurred on the change in people's perceptions, um, especially when you see it on the news um, and you see how it's helping children and how it's helping the elderly. Um, and the, there's a, a, a huge movement now from advocates within the industry and they have a motto and that is it's not about being high, it's about being healthy. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think... That that's about, you know, um, now we've got this movement where um, the perception is changing and now let's just tip it right over the edge mm -hmm. and let's, you know, get rid of this stigma once and for all. And I think that with these high-profile people, especially the ones involved in sports, uh, I think we're, we're really close to, to, to um, you know, not everyone has to accept cannabis obviously but um i think that as a general society the stigma is is really being reduced because of um all these things yeah and i think it's worth uh contextualizing that we've talked about legalization and the erosion of the stigma a little bit over the last eight years in australia in particular there was a uh, legalization of medical cannabis was first in as I understand it, Victoria in 2016, and then yeah. all the other jurisdictions shortly followed suit. 
Um, but looking overseas with recreational cannabis being legalized in Canada, Uruguay, and the most recent one was Thailand halfway mm-hmm. through 2022, which I don't think many people saw coming given the, uh, the country's very strict regulations toward cannabis. I think they had the death penalty for Oof. cannabis consumption. Uh, yeah. So, you know, quite the 180 there. Um, but of course, like in California in 2016, but the first states in America were Washington and, and Colorado to legalize cannabis for recreational use after having it medicinally uh, accessible for over 20 years in California, for example. So a lot of change has happened in the last decade globally mm. that has meant that this stigma can start to kind of erode as the research comes out. And I think it's important to acknowledge the reason this is important is because the stigma is what's preventing people from trying cannabis treatments Mm -hmm. that might make a huge difference to them. Like, and a good example is for someone like Lauren Jackson, Mm -hmm. if she was aware of the benefits of CBD for her, maybe she wouldn't have gone through the pain that she did in the tail end of her career. Maybe she wouldn't have had to retire so soon. Mm -hmm. And as great as it is to have a story of, oh, she's back. How good is this? It's like, well, why did she have to leave in the first place? That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do we want to dive into, do you have another... Well, I suppose the, the next point that we, we had to chat about, Johnny, was like, how has the perception changed over time? We talked about it a little bit just then. Um, I suppose from, from a, like in the scientific community itself, obviously you're now, as of right now, working um, with Melbourne Uni on a research project. That's right. Latrobe. Oh, excuse yeah, me. Shout excuse out the me. Right one, please. Oh on. no, <laughs> Melbourne contacted. You know, oh, it's at Latrobe. That's right. Actually, yeah. my professor is from Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right, okay. Worth a shout out. Yeah, That's 100%. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just name drop the more prestigious. <laughs> <people>. <laughs> Talking shit. I went to Latrobe. Right. Uh, so, in the scientific community, how have the perceptions shifted, particularly so in Australia in the last five years? Yeah, um, I think that's a it's a really important insight because. Um, you think of scientists as being sort of uh, more old school and uh, a lot more conservative. Um, and then here they are launching uh, into a whole new field um, and, and putting all this, getting all this funding and putting it into the research of cannabis, which was not that long ago perceived as, you know, something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the last five years since I've been studying cannabis and, and when I was doing my undergraduate, I never dreamt that I, I started in 2014. I never dreamt that I would be doing a PhD on, on cannabis, right? But by 2016, it became legalized. And then by 2018, I had a job in the industry. And, and then later that year, I had a PhD project on, on cannabis as well. So it was just like a dream come true. And, um, and it just goes to show you when I first started studying, you know, in my undergraduate, I actually contacted a, um, a scientist from a different institute that works with psychedelics. And um, I, I, I said to him, look, um, I really want to get into, um, you know, psychedelic um, science, but I'm really, you know, scared to even mention it to, to anyone um, in, around me, you know, at, at uni. 
And he said, yeah, rightly so, you know, and uh, we, we had to have the conversation over on, on phone because he didn't want anything, you know, in writing. And he, he basically told me like, look, the idea, the plan for you right now is to just go under the radar, get your qualifications. And once you got your qualifications, then you can come out and pursue this particular topic. Well, I didn't even finish my um, undergraduate and cannabis was made legal medicinally. And then um, I got into the PhD and, um, and now I'm studying it. Uh, and so um, since I've been doing my PhD research, the, I have seen the attitudes in the department change to the point where now, you know, we're not just looking at um, cannabis. Um, we're looking at other medicinal compounds that come from plants and fungi as well, mm. you know. So um, there's this very, this has happened very, very fast. Mm. Yeah. In the scientific community has just gone, wow, okay, these things have potential, you know. These, uh, you know, psilocybin from from mushrooms um, and uh, cannabis. You know, there's so much to explore. I think the um, the the thing that is enticing these scientists into exploring cannabis is that we really know about THC and CBD, but mm. there's a hundred more of them. Who knows what the potential therapeutic benefits are from these other hundred how many more um you know pharmaceutical products can we make to improve the health of the world um through this one plant and i think that that's the most exciting thing then you have the combinations of the different cannabinoids as well so you might have a hundred of them what do they all do and then what happens when we combine them we might be able to tailor specific cannabinoid um, products for specific illnesses. And I think that that is the most, yeah, exciting thing. And that's why scientists are like, okay, I don't care that it was, that it was illegal. I don't care that it was um, stigmatized. This is really important. This is really powerful. Let's go for it. Yeah. We were talking to our, uh, you can chime in on this as well. We were talking to our new pharmacy um, at GoGoMed. Shout out to GoGoMed. They're amazing over there and they are experts. And uh, Jason, um, one of the founders of them, was talking about a doctor that uh, he previously was chatting to about uh, the space. And he was hard, hard just no on medical cannabis, just like even stubborn a little bit in the space and yeah. in, in, in what he's learned. Um, and now he's, almost an advocate. And this is, I don't know how long, I'd, I'd missed the timeline of how long that passed, but I really don't think it was much because then he was talking about how prevalent it is, how important it is. And Jason's like, hang on, you were, you were beating it before and now you're all on it. Like what's going on? So that, and that's coming from a doctor in the space saying how it is going to be around and how it is helping a lot of people. So you hear things like that, like the stigma is everywhere from the scientific point of view to doctors now who not wanting to take it on and uh, kind of forced to take it on a little bit because word is getting out and more research is coming about. So they're changing their views too. Yeah. And as, as this doctor said, or at least as it was uh, passed on to us, he, he said, look, it just got to a point where the research was so clear that 
you know, if you are a credible scientist and you believe in the scientific method and you look at the data, yeah. there is now enough data, particularly over the last five years, that you have to be open to the possibility that this is something that's going to be around for a long time and do a lot of good for a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like being a doctor, you got to have, like, if you're doing your research and you've done your research to get where you are, things, cha- things yeah. change, new things evolve and come in. If you just stop, then you're just sitting on the old, like imagine you stop learning from 20, 2004 and then you're still applying the same methods. I do feel for these doctors though, because imagine know. you went to uni in 1980, 20 yeah. years before <laughs> the system was invented. Now yeah. we've got fucking Wi-Fi, vaporized. <laughs> There's kids or young adults consuming medical cannabis with vaporized uh, uh, vapes that like affect a system that wasn't even invented when you went to university. And now someone's coming to you and saying, will you prescribe me cannabis? And they're just like, what is going on? So whilst sure there is the research coming, I can also understand. It's easy for us to say. say. I can can see how it's it's come to be the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, would it make sense to to progress the conversation to to have a chat about what the current laws and regulations are around cannabis? Yeah. Earlier. Well, well, obviously, um, in the next episode, um, Charlie and I will have a discussion about how to access and the the, the legal pathways from a practical perspective. Um, but since legalization in 2016 um, to allow medical cannabis, what I suppose has happened in the time since, and, and where are the laws at the moment regarding um, people wanting to, to to acquire cannabis legally? Yeah. So. Um, it, it was a, a great time when that happened um, and sort of state after state uh, legalised cannabis so uh, for medicinal purposes. So as it stands right now, medical cannabis is legal Australia-wide. So no matter where you are, you can uh, access um, medical cannabis legally. Um, in terms of uh, recreational, um, it, it still remains illegal, um, although there has been a recent push uh, from uh, uh, certain uh, political parties to try and get that changed. Um, and that's looking like it's going to occur similar to the United States where it, it's not a federal thing, but it's like a state-by-state decision um and we we have now the legalized cannabis party which is um actually got a few members in parliament um able to to you know represent us and um and and so i think that just shows you how far uh things have changed where now we actually have politicians in parliament who are advocating for these um, laws to be changed and advocating for cannabis? So, um, yeah, stigma is way, way. It, it, it's got its days are numbered, right? Okay. <laughs> its days are numbered. Now, in terms of the um, uh, uh, other laws, so the big one is the driving law, which we kind of touched on in the in the previous ep- episode. So, yeah, unfortunately, even though you are allowed to get um, medicinal cannabis, you are not allowed to drive while um, you have cannabis in your system, right, THC specifically. So 
Um, and that that is consistent throughout Australia, but um, it's looking like maybe uh, if we have this conversation at the end of the year, <laughs> that that could be a different story with Queensland and Victoria looking to change uh, those laws. Um, South Australia is a bit behind the eight ball. They have gone in the other direction and they have actually increased the penalties for people driving with um, uh, THC in the system um, and other drugs as well. But they lumped THC into the other drugs, which is uh, a strange thing to do in this day and age when we know so much about it and we know that people are being prescribed it for, for medical use. It's basically the same mistake that the Nixon government made back in the 70s when they made cannabis a Schedule One drug alongside heroin and cocaine right you know so um yeah it's a crazy thing to do so south australia going a bit backwards um and uh the other thing i wanted to talk about was um what are the regulations for medicinal cannabis mm -hmm. so you can be uh sure that you're getting something that's safe um, and that is regulated by the Therapeutic Goods Association. And they have a standard, an Australian standard for medicinal cannabis, um, which aims to ensure that the products have a reliable cannabinoid concentrations and that they are also free of any toxic contaminants. So I can tell you from working in the industry that we don't use pesticides or um, anything that could potentially cross over into the final product. And um, in terms of uh, fertilizers, we flush those out of the plant before we harvest the flowers for, um, uh, for packaging. So um, there's a, a real strict... Uh, and everything is um, uh, sanitized. All the tools that are used are sanitized. Um, and uh, a lot of um, effort is made to make sure that the grow environment is controlled uh, and that we're not getting any um, contaminants in there. And there's testing that occurs as well. So we send samples off to labs to test for contaminants too. So... That's the and that's been enforced by the TGA. So you can rest assured that you're getting a safe product when you're buying um, medicinal cannabis in Australia from an approved um, manufacturer. Mm. Yeah. And in addition to that, as of I believe it's July this year, there'll be the the, the change to require GMP certification for all suppliers. Um, yeah, that yeah. So that's going to even increase the standard even more, you know, like, um, you know, GMP um, is, a, is a worldwide standard um, and it's, it's um, only the, the, the most stringent, um, you know, products uh, and processes uh, are accepted into that standard. Um, and so now all the manufacturers of medicinal cannabis in Australia are being asked to conform to GMP level uh, standards. And that's going to come into force um, in June. Is it June or July? June. 
Um, so at the moment, uh, the, some, uh, some cannabis products do come from overseas, right? So um, unless they are GMP, they're not going to be allowed to be sold any longer after, after June. So at the moment, there is a huge rush to import um, overseas products before the deadline. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was right? gonna ask what's happening, like what is happening because of this deadline yeah. now and it's coming in. The and that's, rush. that's the green that's, rush. That's the answer. <laughs> They're getting it before the laws change. That's so yeah. interesting, interesting way to do it. <laughs> what, yeah, it, it really is. For, uh, for, for consumers, I suppose, like to, to tie this back to patients, it means that after this change in particular, if you go through a, a cannabis practitioner and you're prescribed or a, a medical practitioner, you prescribe medical cannabis, you know with certainty that it, it meets the highest pharmaceutical standards of any medicine. Yeah. And you compare that to what you're getting from the, the alleyway on a Thursday afternoon when, you, when you've run out mm. and uh, you just don't know what you're putting in your body. Yeah. So um, the, the primary reasons why, why people... Um, prefer you know medical cannabis aside from the fact that they've got a doctor to hold them through the journey is also just the peace of mind knowing that it's safe it's regulated and yeah and And yeah sorry to cut you off there but um you just triggered something in me we talked about what the difference was between medical and recreational right in an earlier episode and what i wanted to touch on was that um yes one is prescribed for a specific illness but it's also regulated Mm. okay so that's a big difference in recreational you don't know what you're getting off the black market and that's half the frustration um is that uh you might have adverse effects because no one's telling you what's in it what can what the cannabinoid ratios are no one's telling you that they can or they can't certify that there's no toxic contaminants in there you know um, and so that's another difference between medical and um, and recreational cannabis that I, I you, you just yeah made me think of that right now, James. <laughs> it, it's a it's a it's a really important one to talk about because I think you know like the uh, research suggests that uh, the current um, proportion of Australians using medical cannabis relative to what it will be in five years, like the medical cannabis patient base is going to increase by five to 10 times over the next five years. And a lot of people will be asking if they have experimented with cannabis uh, flower through the black market, why would I move across to Mm. medical? And I think the, the regulated aspect is probably the single biggest answer, particularly as we approach a point where um, the cost from illegal means uh, is no longer significantly cheaper than yeah. through legal means. So it's a similar price point. It's regulated mm-hmm. and you actually get a doctor to help you through your journey. 100%. It's a, it's, it's a no-brainer and that's why, particularly in the last two years, so many Australians have, have moved across. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there is one more question that I know, like I'm thinking about as well. I know anyone looking at uh, the name of the, like the title of the episode being like, legal and stigma um we've talked about where we are now and it's super hard to predict any sort of future but you are the expert and we try and push you so in australia like what what can yeah what does the crystal ball say what can like what can we at, at a small low level predict well um two years ago or more people were saying you know i uh, 
recreational is like 10 years away, you know? And then we come to 2023 and it's it's the start of March and um, we've already had, you know, uh, so much movement from, uh, in, you know, political movement towards legalizing recreational. Like they want to bring this in. Mm. The main reason they want to bring it in is because um, it's costing a lot of money to enforce um, uh, I- illegal use of cannabis and it's not really benefiting anyone, you know. Um, there was a, a, a politician the other day on the radio who said it's costing taxpayers billions of dollars to enforce this policy and it hasn't stopped a single person from lighting up a joint or smoking a bomb. <laughs> it hasn't stopped anyone, <laughs> right? So um, the, the, the laws on drugs are, um, you know, are, are expensive and futile. Um, and uh, if we legalize it, there's also a lot of uh, money that can be brought into the economy uh, through the taxation of these products. Mm. So since uh, governments always want to have more money to play with, <laughs> right? and it's going to um, improve the economy. Now the politicians are saying, well, let's legalize it. We can tax it and, um, and it, will, it will boost our budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're the main reasons. And we reduce our costs, these costs of billions of dollars that are going into criminalizing cannabis. So they're the main reasons. And I think that those reasons, money talks, right? Money talks especially with politicians. So, <laughs> so um, I think things are going to move faster than what we thought maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. And I think, gazing into my crystal ball, yeah. that um, we might actually see, um, I mean, I, I should also mention that uh, recreational like you can carry and grow your own, I think, in the ACT right now, mm-hmm. right? So the ACT is the only region that it is uh, legal in right now. It, it's, I think, part of a trial to see how it goes. But since we have that, since we have this pressure to get more money into the economy, I think that maybe within the next year or two, <laughs> we could see some changes being made and recreational cannabis being brought in. Wow. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a back and forth. You know, it's not like when they um, submit the bill, there's gonna be amendments, there's gonna be changes, there's gonna be resubmissions, it's gonna go back and forth and back and forth until they get it, uh, all the parties agree and then um, it can be uh, brought into law, yeah. So very close, Charlie. It's so interesting because like we have other ex- other experts. I just everyone we talk to, we feel like is absolute expert mm. because it is such a niche category. So if people look at us thinking we're in the one percent, it's like you're in the point zero one percent, and so are um, like our pharmacy and they're, they're experts in the space, and they've said something like ten years. So people have just different views, and it may be because the pharmacy wouldn't be needed in 10 years. And that's why he's thinking that now and he's putting those views out. But 
yeah, everyone has different opinions and you can't tell to crystal ball. Can't tell. Everyone's got their own crystal ball. Uh, and we can't, we, if you were going to predict the future, you'd be a happy man. I'll tell so. you what though, one to two years is an exciting prospect. That's very uh, exciting. And you're exactly right with what's going on in ACT at the moment. And I don't have the data in front of me regarding, you know, uh, a drug-related offences, driving offences, like yeah. what the consequences have been. But, uh, um, you know, as as as, as more, um, I suppose, testing is conducted using ACT as the guinea pig. And well, all that. So what can but, you do in ACT? Because I haven't heard this, mm. funnily enough. I had no idea. Oh, really? Well, yeah, what can you do in ACT right now? Uh, yeah, James, do you want to um, punch that in and, and see? I'm pretty sure you can carry and... So by carry, you mean just literally like carry your medicine or are we talking recreationally so you can carry a joint around? So the the important thing to acknowledge is that, uh, to put on my constitutional law hat from law school, uh, when there's a uh, a law at federal level that is inconsistent with the law at state level, the federal level like prevails, uh, section 109 of the constitution. So it's a weird situation where when the ACT government legalises something like cannabis that is outlawed at the federal level. Yeah. It's one of those weird things where it's like, well, you'll probably be fine, but strictly speaking, it is illegal at the federal level. Mm-hmm. So it's almost kind of uh, like decriminalisation in um, uh, the Netherlands, as I understand it, where, you know, it's like you, you can walk around in front of a police officer with a joint, but you still, you know, have to be careful. It's not correct to just say it is legalised. Yeah. But nonetheless, with that kind of like disclaimer, out of the the way, um, from what I'm reading here online, it says the ACT has removed penalties for adults who possess or use smaller amounts of cannabis. Um, and then there's a, a bunch of questions about at my house. I'll tell you what, we'll probably have to um, clarify for and our understanding and yeah. chuck it in the, the show notes or maybe even tuck That's it a good in point. Yeah. the next episode. That's awesome. Fantastic. Look, Johnny, this uh, this has been a, a, an awesome episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to kind of chat about on the, the legality stigma side before we, we move on to the, to the next episode? Um, I'll just probably, you know, say that it is, uh, um, it's really exciting at the speed of which things are moving right now. Um, and there are a lot of advocates for, for this. So I think it's going to happen in um, stages. I think the first thing that we will see is a change to the driving laws for medicinal cannabis patients, which is the most important one, okay? Recreational is not important. This is important because people need this to to, to get to sleep, to deal with their chronic It's counterintuitive right now. It doesn't make make sense if you can give it medically and then that prescription, that proof of prescription doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So that's the first one that needs to be changed. And then after that, I think that's when the discussions about recreational will really um, get a lot of support. Um, And that's why I think that things are going to happen sooner rather than later with Mm. all of it. So it's going to be a really exciting year, lads. Really exciting. (laughs) <laughs> tell you what, and we'll now be around the three of us or the two of us with Johnny as much as uh, as he can fit into his busy schedule to That's it. keep everyone up to date about it. Um, <laughs> look, this has been awesome, Johnny. This is obviously the end of the, the four episodes that you were so kind as to, to join us for for the introductory series. Um, 
Well, uh, well, we'll we'll have you on plenty more as our resident uh, expert, expert. Yeah. Uh, the the generalist <laughs> expert, and then from time to time, no doubt, we'll we'll bring in other people in the space to speak about niche areas. Um, but uh, moving forward beyond the introduction series, these first five episodes, um, the intention is to to dig a little bit deeper into all things medical cannabis. Um, have a bit more of a discussion about current affairs, changes in the space. Um, I'll give Gianni the opportunity to talk about um, any interesting journal articles or new research, particularly with Mm -hmm. uh, compounds beyond just THC and CBD, because I know there's some really interesting stuff coming out every week there. Um, But thanks again for the time, Gianni. Well, uh, we'll see you in in the next episode. My pleasure. And I look forward to it, gents. See you then. Legend, Gianni.